0: I do feel like God has put something in my spirit for this service tonight. And I have prayed, fasted, and sought the face of God. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has put a word in my heart for this assembly that has gathered here this evening. I want you to know something from the onset, and I'm soon to invite you to stand and open your Bibles with me. But before you do, I want you to understand tonight that I'm not here to simply preach a sermon. That's not my desire. I'm not a pulpiteer. I'm not a great speaker. I'm just I'm just me. I'm not here tonight to preach to preachers. I'm not here tonight to preach to preachers' wives. I'm not here to preach to Sunday school teachers, ushers, praise and worship leaders. But I have an assignment from God tonight to not preach but minister to the us that we are before we are any of those things. And that is real men and real women with real problems who need help from a real God. And I wonder if for just the next few moments we couldn't just take off our facades and our airs and quit putting that fake smile on and that practice, oh, everything's great and okay. And I wonder if we could let the Holy Ghost really talk to us and help us and bring about answers that are so desperately needed. Would you do that? Would you open up your hearts tonight and let the Holy Ghost talk to us and touch us? Come on, why don't you lift your hands right now? Say, I want to be transparent with you tonight, Lord. I desire your help. I desire direction. In Jesus' name, I invite you to stand with me and honor the reading of the word of the Lord. And I would like to invite you to the book of 1 Corinthians, the first letter to the Corinth church. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And I will be reading in verse number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 12. A very familiar portion of Scripture. Paul writing in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 12 declares, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And then he says this, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted, above that ye are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. And wherefore, or because of this, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I ask permission of the elder to read this in another setting because I wanted to draw your attention to a very important part of this scripture In the basic English translation, it reads this way. Ye have been put to no test, but such as is common to man. And God is true, who will not let any test come on you, which ye are not able to undergo. But He will make, everybody shout make. He will make with the test, a way out of it, so that ye may be able to go through it. He will, with the temptation, make a way out of it, so that ye may be able to bear it. And for this cause, my dear brethren, give no worship to false gods. If God would help me tonight for the next few moments, I want to preach and talk out of my heart to you wonderful people from this very simple thought, learning to escape. Learning to escape. Would you put your Bibles down one more time and lift your hands and lift your voice and ask God to help us? God, we need your help. We need your help tonight. God, I know that this is the first night. God, I understand and I recognize that there are some barriers of people maybe being uncomfortable with me and me uncomfortable with them. But there's not a doubt in my mind tonight that you have placed me in this pulpit for such a time as this. God, I believe there are great things that you want to do in our midst tonight. I pray that you would help us get past every barrier, that you would tear down every wall that you would give us the strength to be transparent and ask for that help that's so desperately needed. Uh, We come to you in faith tonight, God. Uh, Help us, help us, help us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shout in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated here this evening. We are a people of faith. We are a people of faith. We are a people who are part of the household of faith. We are a people that understand and recognize that we are the people of God. And because of us being the people of God and because of our entering into a covenant through obedience to the only plan of salvation with God, That we are a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a people that God has brought out of darkness and into a marvelous light so that we could be a witness and a testimony to the dark world in which we live in. We are a people who understand that God really can make a way where there seemeth to be no way. We're a people that still believe in the supernatural. We still believe in God's ability to work the miraculous up. We recognize and we understand that the book of Acts did not conclude uh, when Luke failed to one more time dip his pen in ink and begin to pen some more on paper. But there are witnesses and testimonies even in this house tonight that God's still a healer, uh, that God's still a deliverer, uh, that God's still a mender of broken things, uh, that God can still open prison doors, that... God can still take that which was meant to destroy us and turn it around and further his work and his kingdom through us. Uh, We are a people of faith. Do I have any people of faith in the household tonight? We still put our trust in a God that is able to exceeding abundantly uh, above all that we can even ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Uh, We serve a great, big, wonderful God tonight and He's worthy of a praise right now. We are people that understand That now faith is the substance of things hoped for, but it is the evidence of things not seen. I feel such a burden and a mandate from God tonight to come to this pulpit though and remind us that because we are people of faith and because we have faith and because we have God Witness God do the miraculous, and we have experienced the supernatural, that just because we are people of faith, and just because we are people that have great faith, faith is not living a life void of reality. I'm going to say that again, just because we have faith, does not mean our lives are void of reality. And I'm here to preach tonight because I just felt in prayer that there are a lot of frustrated, weary, wounded warriors represented and sitting in this house tonight. You're beating your head against the wall. You're questioning Your life and the way you've lived your life and you've been second guessing and analyzing decisions of your past and the enemy has a stick that he's about to beat you to death with and it's because somewhere you were deceived into believing that because I have faith in God and because I trust in God that some of the things that I'm going through, I should not be going through these things. Let me just remind you what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter. He said, let me talk to you about blessings for a minute. He causes His Son to rise on the just And the unjust. But the flip side of that is, he also causes it to rain on those that deserve it and those that do not deserve it. I'm here to preach against that lie that's trying to wreck lives in this house tonight and help you understand that what you're going through and situations you're facing and circumstances you find yourself in, it's not because you're full of sin. It's not because you've done so much wrong, uh, but it's simply because you're still living uh, life. Oh, I feel the help of the Holy Ghost in this house. In, in dealing with people day in and day out, I, I have grown to recognize that that what causes sometimes people to become so weary and eventually so full of bitterness and causes their life to seemingly become so wrecked that there's never hope of it being destroyed, uh, is somewhere they begin to live a life of fantasy uh, rather than a life of faith. Uh, Somewhere they forget that just because I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, that did not exempt me from life. Uh, That just empowered me to be an overcomer in life. Uh, It does not exempt me from sickness. It doesn't exempt me from not having enough to go around. It doesn't exempt me from my kids going crazy. Uh, it doesn't exempt me from having trouble in my home. Uh, it doesn't exempt me from having trouble in my church. Uh, it doesn't exempt me from having trouble in my life. Uh, but it just gives me a difference maker. Uh, while what I'm going through destroys everybody else. Uh, it just bears uh, a testimony within me. Our world, our world, it goes without saying, they're mixed up, they're messed up, they're in trouble. And what has made social media and these other things, multi-billion dollar industries, is people trying to live in a world of fantasy rather than a world of faith And sadly enough, that spirit is slipping in and taking hold of such wonderful good. Blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled, sanctified people. And it's creating bitterness. uh, And it's creating frustration. uh, And it's allowing us to be deceived uh, and not continue in that which God has called us to do. Uh, But I've come to preach to you tonight. Uh, The devil is a liar. Uh, There is no truth in him. Uh, There is a way to escape. in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Ghost, it didn't didn't all of a sudden take you out of this world and put you in Disney. It didn't all of a sudden take you out of reality and put you in a winter wonderland. It It didn't just all of a sudden cause you to Become exempt from life. Paul, trying to help us understand, he said, We're in this world, but we're not of, or we don't handle things like this world. Because while they're turning to alcohol and they're turning to extramarital affairs. And while they're turning to pills to get up and then pills to go back to bed, uh, we've got hope uh, in a God uh, that is bigger than the facts of our life. See, fantasy traps us in this place that declares my life should be perfect. I have the Holy Ghost. I'm faithful to church. I'm obedient and submissive to my pastor. I give in my finances. I'm a good citizen. I'm trying to raise my kids the right way. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. And therefore, I should be exempt from what everybody else has to go through. That is not faith. That is fantasy. And I watch people, and and I'm just the kid up here tonight, and they can fix all this when I'm through. But I watch people fall into this trap that most certainly leads to destruction. And that is, they take our text tonight and turn it into one of the most misquoted, misrepresented scriptures in all the Bible. And they accept their present state. They dig in their heels. They bury their head in the sand. And they get this attitude. If I can just hang on long enough. I'll wake up one day. And all this will be gone. Because after all. The word of God declares. God will not put more on me than I can. You ever heard that? I mean, I'll be honest. You ever heard God won't put more on you than you can bear? Yeah. Hey, I'll be honest with you. I've preached God won't put more on you than what you can bear. The only problem with that is when I got to studying and looking into it and God got to dealing with my spirit because I was needing answers and help. You know what I found, Brother Frost? I found that God will not put more on me than I can bear is nowhere in the Bible. You talk about sobering. I mean, when I got to realizing the things I'm facing and the things I'm dealing with, they do have the ability to destroy me. The pressure that I'm under can give me a heart attack at a young age. The things that I'm dealing with can give me a one-two punch. And <laughs> Are there any honest people in the house tonight? I mean... See, I understand the reason some of you are so quiet is because I'm real close to home. When I got to realizing that in the Apostle Paul's writing, he did not declare that God won't put more on me than I can bear. But what he did do is he started off warning me, don't ever think you're big enough to declare you're standing Because the moment you think you've got it under control and the moment you think you can handle it, And the moment you start thinking it's your intellect or your experience or your ability to articulate or your ability to counsel the wayward child that's coming back home or your ability to impart words of wisdom to a struggling couple whose marriage is on the rocks uh, and you think it's all about you and it's all coming from you and within you, he said you better be careful uh, because he that thinketh he standeth uh, shall fall uh, God, re-baptize us uh, with a spirit of humility uh, in Pentecost. Uh, Oh God, uh, help us trade in our self-righteousness for a reminder uh, that long sleeves uh, and long skirts uh, and uncut hair, oh ladies, uh, and a good clean haircut, oh men, Does not exempt us uh, from falling into sin. uh, But the only thing that keeps me uh, is the mercy uh, and the grace uh, and the help of God. Now, I don't even have a clock, but I will try to be conscious of the time. But I would like to just stop here and give you a little, just a word from Wes that really has nothing to do with my message tonight. But if we're not careful, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to us tonight. I'm talking to me. If we're not careful, we will forget that the things we do we're doing them not to be saved but we're doing them because we are saved see there's not a television in my home but the reason there's not a television in my home is not because I'm trying to be saved it's because I am saved my wife keeps scissors out of her hair and dresses in a very modest godly fashion But it's not so she can be overcome with self-righteousness and a pharisaical, I'm better than everybody else spirit and I'm doing this to be saved. But as she's doing it, because she is saved. Whether we go recognize uh, that we can be as holy as we possibly can ever get and our self righteousness is still as filthy rags uh, in God's sight, Uh, we've got to quit leaning uh, on what we do and what we don't do, uh, and we've got to get back to a relationship with God. Paul, he's writing. and He's addressing what you think I'm sidetracked doing, but he's addressing it. He's saying, don't, don't think you're Mr. Big Shot. Don't get to thinking you're better than everybody because they don't dot their eyes just like you dot your eyes, And they don't cross your T's just like, hey, when are we going to recognize that I need you and you need me in this day? Hey, there's not near as many of us as there used to be. There's a big old world that's against us. And it's time that we remember uh, that we are brothers laboring together. I'm not talking about embracing false doctrine uh, because light has no fellowship with darkness. But there comes a time. Oh, he says, "Don't no, don't think you're Mr. Big Shot. My wife and I, we was flying out here. We ran into a gentleman on the plane. He said, who are you? Recognized there was something different about us. He said, he said what, what are you out here for? I said, I'm a preacher. He said, I knew that. And then when he gave me his name, It it, it shook me because at one time this was a household name in our movement. And we got off that plane, and my wife looked at me and she said, Don't ever let that be us. And I was reminded all over again that there's been a lot bigger than me fail, and there's been a lot bigger than you fail. And there's some of you on a slippery slope here tonight and you keep hiding behind what you don't do that other people do and what you don't have that other people have and you're so blinded by your self-righteousness that you're failing to recognize you have a form of godliness but you're denying the power that it takes for you to be able to hear well Son, thy good and faithful servant. Let me just remind every one of you here tonight. uh, I don't dress like I dress to impress you. Uh, I don't preach like I preach to impress you. Uh, But I preach, I dress, I live for one reason. Uh, I want to be pleasing uh, to my Savior. Ghost is trying to give a life to somebody in this house tonight. You need to quit comparing yourself above yourself. And you need to do like James declared. You need to look at the man in the mirror. Let's lift our hands and pray right now. The Holy Ghost is dealing with somebody. You be seated, I've got to hurry. Paul, he says, take heed. You think you're standing unless you fall. And then he makes a declaration. He said, there is no temptation that has taken you. Or in the James Wesley translation, there's nothing that you're going through that somebody else hadn't already went through. There's nothing that you're facing, there's nothing that you're dealing with, except for things that is common unto man. Isn't it amazing how we can get to going through things and our world gets so dark and our perception gets so small that we allow Satan to isolate us and we get the poor pitiful me syndrome? Nobody else is going through this but me. All of a sudden, we start having two box prayer meetings. It's prayer meetings where you sob and cry and have a pity party so much it takes two boxes of Kleenexes. And we forget that what I'm going through, it's not because I'm cursed, and it's not because I'm saved, it's not because I'm marked it's not because I'm peculiar it's not because I have this big old target on me and the devil is just working overtime to make sure that I'm the one that's destroyed Now, I know you get so spiritually minded you're no earthly good and everything's the devil but a lot of what we go through is life We've all stood at a casket we didn't want to look in. We've all been in a hospital room and received news that we didn't want to hear. If you're honest, we've all robbed Peter to pay Paul so much that when Paul sees us coming, he's just, I mean, he's gone. It is things that are Common. But then he doesn't stop. He says, But there's something you need to remember. <laughs> he says, the God you're serving is faithful. <laughs> and then this is where this is where we this is where we set ourselves up because we declare God is faithful and he will not put more on us than we can bear. That's right. That's what we usually say. The problem with that is that's not what the Bible says. It might be what we say, but it's not what Paul was saying. But what Paul declared was, there has no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able? Not he will not put more on you than you can bear. Because with the temptation or with the trial. Or with the circumstances that you're going through. Built into that trouble. (laughs) The reason that you're able. Is because built into that trouble. There is a way to escape. So that. Ye may be able to bear it. Can I tell you tonight. The the things I'm going through and the things you're going through, they do have the ability to destroy us. They do have the ability to ruin good reputations. They do have the ability to cause men to mess up. They do have the ability To cause good godly ladies to walk out the door and never look back. Declaring I won't ever be one of those again. It does have the ability. uh, But Paul trying to help us. uh, He said what helps you able to parent that other people can't parent. Is because you've got to learn how to escape. Uh, There's something in this trial uh, that you can get through. And you can get out of. You you just stay with me for just another few moments. The problem with so many of us is we never learn how to escape. We take scriptures in the Bible. I've been guilty of it. We get to preaching knowing there's trouble. And we open our Bibles to Romans the 8th chapter and we immediately jump way down to that 28th verse and we declare all things work together for you've heard it preached. It's in there. It's rightly to be preached. We, we, we skip on down and On Sunday nights we get red in the face and get you foaming at the mouth as we declare, what shall separate us? We get talking about not height, not depth, not things present, things to come, not principalities. We skip a little further and we start declaring again unto you You're more than conquerors. And where people become so frustrated is they rally to that. And they get excited about that. And they do what all good Pentecostal people do. They pitch a Holy Ghost fit in the midst of that preaching. And that response is a good fitting response. But then they walk back out the doors, and life's still there. They hardly get the door shut, and the bickering and fighting. They no more than shout because they think they have the victory. And it's not because we're not more than conquerors. And it's not because we can't find ourselves in a position to where nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And it's not because all things do not work together for the good of them that serve the Lord. But it's because instead of applying the principle we jump down and we preach the highlights. Because when you back up, Paul declares we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. And then immediately he gives us the plan and the principle to shout about the rest. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not, What we should pray for as we ought. We are in such trouble. We are being attacked from so many sides. We are so oppressed we are so blinded by our circumstances, we don't even know the right thing to pray to get us out of what we're in. But Paul said, when I pray until the Holy Ghost is making intercession, not through me, but it's making intercession for me, then all of a sudden, I find myself declaring all things work together for good. Nothing shall separate me from the love of Christ. I'm more than a conqueror. See, when Paul was writing in 1 Corinthians, he was the same man that declared, I speak in tongues more than you all he was not making that declaration to pin roses on his lapel you know what he was trying to get them to understand I found a way to escape and if you'd follow me as I'm following Christ if you'd recognize that the only way you're going to get through life without being ripped apart and without becoming a casualty is learning to pray until you pray in the Holy Ghost Learning to pray until intercession is made for you. Woo! See, if we're not careful, we forget that it's not the fruits of separation and righteousness that are love and peace and joy. And don't misunderstand me tonight. I believe it as strong as anybody in this house, but I'm tired of seeing beat up, depressed people come to church service after service and they're defeated and they're victims rather than victors and they're living right, they're acting right, but they've never learned to escape. Never learned to escape because the fruits of the Spirit is love and peace. Isaiah prophesied, he declared, When the enemy rushes in like a flood, it's not going to be a preacher that raises up a standard. It's not going to be your life of separation that raises up a standard. It's not going to be your good, clean haircut. It's not going to be the fact that scissors have never touched your hair. He said, but what's going to raise up the standard is you're going to learn how to connect with God. And as the enemy's coming in and trying to destroy you, while it's destroying everybody else, huh? somewhere underneath the pew, huh? with you cry until tears are dripping off your chin. Huh? All of a sudden you transition uh, from a language that you know how to talk. uh, And there's moanings. uh, And there's groanings. uh, And all of a sudden uh, God's supreme sacrifice uh, starts talking uh, to his rich mercy. uh, And he says, I'm not going to destroy them. I'm going to keep them. I'm going to bring them out. I'm going to be very transparent in my closing remarks I have family here I would not want to insult or bring a reproach to any of them I've contemplated and tried to get out of doing this But I feel a mandate to be transparent. See, I know there's some of you that you sit out there tonight and you think, let him go through a few things. And then maybe the elder, let him come back when he's not so wet behind the ears and he's not such a novice. See, I can feel it. I've been preaching longer and he's been alive. Yeah. God bless you. 1977. A beautiful couple was wed. Began to live a life together. they were popular full of charisma made good money 1980 they had their first child by 1986 they had two boys and a girl drove new cars brand new boats house and land living the American dream 1987 they went and started a little home mission church in the beautiful hills of west Texas looked like they had it all together God was with them. God was blessing them. People started receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Revival breaking out. Good man. Godly lady. Lady was so talented, so anointed. She could play. She could sing. Spirit of the Lord, Brother Johnson, would come over her. She'd begin to give tongues and interpretation and there was no wondering if it was from God. Around 1990, this precious lady became plagued with what they later found to be Severe and chronic migraine headaches. But during her times of testing and trying to figure out what was wrong with her, they pumped her so full of pain medications that she became addicted to something on her own she couldn't shake loose of. They were good at hiding it. Oh, they were so good at hiding it. See, they were like some of you. They had come to conferences just like this. And the wife would take her smile right out of her purse and paint it on. The man would tuck in his shirt and put on his coat and put reality in the back of his mind. 'Cause we can get through this. God, He wouldn't put more on us than we can bear. About 1991, they moved back. You, you, you couldn't have put them in a better church. Under a more wise and anointed shepherd. I was just a kid, but kids aren't stupid. That's why you need to be careful how you live in front of them and talk when they're around, because I watched as their shepherd spent countless hours trying to encourage trying to counsel. No doubt many times on Sunday night they left and it looked like deliverance had been had. But really it was just another level to the fantasy because they were no longer living a life of faith. Things began to happen. The man embarrassed He fell into a trap that way too many people fall into. He got into this mindset, well, if I can just get away from here, things will change. Let, let us just get somewhere and we get a fresh start and nobody will know us and Moved their family out west. Again, endeavoring to do a work from God. But instead of things getting better, they got worse. Fussing and fighting and pretending and fantasy. Good at covering up. The mother ended up in a rehab center. Nobody knew what was going on. Man slipping in so many ways. Finally, around 1998, tired of. Burying their heads in the sand thinking we can bear it. If we just hold on long enough, it'll be okay. They moved back to Southeast Texas. Now they're fighting embarrassment on top of all these other things. And so they fall into this trick of the adversary that what I need to do is keep my distance let me get this fixed and figured out and then I'll be more faithful. Can I tell you, you should be the most faithful when you're fighting the hardest and when hell's the hottest. Don't ever think the church is somewhere because of embarrassment you need to run from. Hey, we love you like nobody else loves you. There's nobody that wants to see you helped like your pastor wants to see you helped. There's nobody that wants to bear your burden uh, like your brothers and sisters want to bear your burden. Uh. I'm reaching for somebody even right now. Uh. You don't need to run away. Uh. You need to run too. I'd been been away down in Baton Rouge, acting like a hoodlum, a heathen, running. See that running's contagious. See, Mom and Dad, that running, it has a trickle-down effect. if I just get away, I, when I come back, it'll be better. I'll never forget walking in that house, looking around. There was some things missing. Mom's clothes was no longer in the closet. Knitknacks were missing out of the curio cabinet. missing off the wall. I'll never forget reality sinking in and recognizing this that I thought could never destroy our family had destroyed our family. I watched as people see, I lived through it. I'm a kid. I don't have none of the answers, much less all the answers. But I have lived long enough to know that there's three sides to every story there's what you think, there's what they think, and then there's the truth. And I watched as people began to take sides because of the way the situation appeared from without. And I want to be careful tonight, but let me inject this. Just because one's a better actor than the other, it doesn't mean they're blameless. Blameless. Just because one's better at hiding their flaws and there's one that it's just obvious what they're doing. It's real easy. I, I, I watched Brother Dykes as people started blaming my mother and she did have a problem. But they never took time to think about maybe why she had that problem. I know I'm on thin ice here tonight, but I, I have to tell this because I feel the help of the Holy Ghost reaching for people. And see, what happened is, my parents, they they, they were already gone. They were... It, it was over. But what people didn't realize is the bitterness their words were creating in the lives of three children who knew a lot of truth that they weren't sharing with everybody. And it began to shake their confidence because there were some people that would rather gossip than pray. And would rather tear down than build up. All in the name of knowing them that labor among you and You want to be spiritual? Let me tell you what Paul describes someone spiritual as being. If you see somebody overtaken in a fault, you that are spiritual, run by and kick them so everybody knows they're down. Make sure you label them so everybody stays away. Isn't that that what it says? No, it says, you you want to test how spiritual you are. When you see a brother or a sister overtaken in a fault, you can tell us how spiritual you are, but we'll stand back and see how good of a restorer you are. Because real spiritual people restore people. Hey, we need deliverance from this running over brothers and sisters while they're down mentality. We need to get over this. Our friends can do no wrong, and our enemies can do no right. And we need to get a fresh revelation that eternity's real, it's long. And it, it's no excuse. Running, I started acting so foolish and so stupid. Let me tell some of you young people the answer's not in running. My life was in a wreck. But you know, i I'd learned to become a pretty good actor. I had some good teachers. I had two friends. Brother White. One was named Matt. Another one was named PJ. And there was this thing called West Coast Conference that I'd never been to. Man, PJ, willing to give you the world. He said, I'm going to send you one of my brother's Southwest tickets. I come out here, hey, I'm going to tell you good things happen at West Coast Conference. See, those of you clapping, you're thinking it's where I got spiritual, but it's not. It's where I fell in love. (laughs) I met my wife here. Outside of Jesus Christ, Pastor Joel Holmes, best thing ever happened to me. She's my conscience. (laughs) You don't have to worry about me as long as she's around. I started wanting to get my life back together. Is this all right? I got to tell this. It's so funny. I remember sitting in her dad's. Brother Garrett, you know Brother Rick Wheeler. I was sitting there at their table. I was a long ways, Brother Lackey, from preaching West Coast. Matter of fact, if you knew, Brother Morton, all I did that first time I was here, you sure wouldn't have me preaching. (laughs) You can laugh, it won't kill you. I started wanting to get my life put back together I was sitting at her house talking to her death. Late one night, I could take you to the spot I was sitting. He's asking me about, you know, what's, what's your future, you know, what's your plans? I said, well, if I ever straighten up, I'm going to be a preacher. This is the honest to God's truth, y'all. He laughed so hard, he fell out of his chair. He was at the church that I pastored not long ago, and I said, How do you like me now? (laughs) I'm just telling you what kind of shape I was in. My life was a wreck. Somehow, he could not talk his daughter, his angel, out of marrying the devil. What I didn't know was some things was about to change in my life. (laughs) I remember, and I'm a lot closer to being through than you think, but I remember Pastor Holmes and building one. My father-in-law walking me down to that front. And I was wanting to come to Little Rock. And I mean, my father in law was telling him everything. And I thought, well, here it goes. <laughs> I seen him clench that jaw. And I thought, he's, he's fixed to tell him, get your girl away. big old tears come up in his eyes. And he said, well, all I know is if they're going to do it, we only have one option, and that's to make sure they make it. Let, Let me talk to you pastors, and I'm not preaching to you, but you'll never know how weighty your words are because that done something in me right then. And I thought, if somebody that knows all that already is willing to help me make it, maybe there is hope that I can make it. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, I got me a good praying through, got me a good wife. I started living good, or the best I could. lot of help started feeling my call I was so happy I called my dear wise uncle from Highlands I thought he's going to be so excited for me I'm called to preach his encouraging words that night was well son you've got a tough road to hoe I'm gonna tell you what happened. Things in my so-called life—they didn't get better. Here I am, doing good, feeling my call. I'll never forget a call, ringing my phone. I was playing basketball down at the gym in the community, and I heard this evil, demonic voice telling me, if you want your mother to live, you better get here. I remember driving to Memphis and walking in the last time I'd seen my mother, beautiful lady weighing about 130 pounds. We weighed her in at the hospital that night. She was less than 90 pounds. Within a 24-hour period, she had took over 90 hydrocodones. I remember picking her up in my arms, and it was like she didn't weigh nothing. And I'm going to tell you at that point, there was more on me than I could bear. But I'll never forget the longest day that I live. It was on a Saturday night they told us there's nothing you can do it's just a waiting game you need to be prepared for the worst she's not going to make it I can't tell you what it felt like but I turned to my wife and I said you know what I need to go to church I said let's go home we drove and got there in time to change clothes. I'll never forget walking through them back doors. I can't tell you what was being sung. I can't tell you the message my pastor preached that day. But I tell you what I did do. I learned for the first time how to escape. Because I remember like it was yesterday walking place past the seat that I normally sat in. And I walked to that front. Seeds of bitterness because of all that's going wrong being sown into my heart. But I remember walking down to that front and lifting my hands in the air. And I said, you know what, God? I'm not going to get bitter And I'm not going anywhere. But this is too much for me. So you're going to have to help me. And I'm going to tell you, I got to weeping and crying and I got to talking in tongues. And I made a connection with something that day. It didn't change my situation, but it changed me. When I walked out of that sanctuary that day, my mother was still on life support, and she was still addicted to prescription drugs. Uh, But something had happened. Uh, I'd finally learned a lesson that a gray-headed man had been trying to teach me. Son, uh, you can come here on Monday, uh, and you can pray uh, until you pray through. Uh, You can come by here on Tuesday, uh, and you can pray uh, until you pray through. Uh, you can come back on Wednesday, uh, and you can pray uh, until you pray through. Uh, you can come back on Thursday, uh, and you can pray uh, until you pray through. Uh, and when I got the revelation, uh, that praying through uh, was not necessarily what I'd done wrong, uh, but it was connecting uh, to my escape uh, It was getting in that rock uh, when the wind was blowing. uh, The storm was raging. uh, Yet there was a place. Somebody would come to the organ. I'm going to tell you, my nightmare didn't end. My mother didn't get any better. Their home didn't get put back together. I'll never forget the longest day I live. April the 6th, a year ago, my phone ringing, and a voice on the other line was so hysterical I couldn't even understand what she was saying. Finally, I got her calmed down enough. I knew something was terribly wrong. She said, It's your dad! Your dad! I said, Yeah, it's okay. What about it? No, it's not okay. He was on his motorcycle. Just a curve and he's gone I remember calling my cousin whom I love so dearly I'm so happy he's here tonight he's been such a brother to me So on a Saturday night, I was supposed to be flying out to California to preach that next morning, catching an early flight, getting time to church. My emotions, the hurts, the what ifs. Was more than I could bear. We'd got through hugging everybody and weeping and crying. Reality starting to set in. I went to my uncle. I said, can I, can I get a key to the church? Because I knew it was more than I could bear, and there was nothing I could do to change the circumstances. But I learned that there was a place that if I could just get over there and I could get laid out and I could shut myself in for a little bit and I could pray past my not understanding and I could pray past my questions and I could pray past my hurts And I could pray past my fears. And I could pray past my what ifs. I knew that somewhere if I could just stay there long enough. That built in was a way to escape. Let me tell you I had such a beautiful prayer meeting. This is how praying in the Holy Ghost works. I started off praying for myself, so overwhelmed with my circumstances. But then I found myself praying for other people. You know what I'd like to tell you? I'd like to tell you that that prayer meeting was a fix-all. But you know what I had to do even today? I got to missing my daddy. And I was thinking, boy, I'd sure like for him to know I was getting to preach this conference. I asked Brother Lackey, could I go to his church? It wasn't so I could get more spiritual for this service. But I knew if I could get in that sanctuary and I could get down on my face and I could pray till I reached that breakover point, that in my test, built into it. way to survive I wish I really do I wish the preacher could preach me into that place I wish my pastor could counsel me into that place I wish the arms of the one who I love more than anybody else my wife could hold me into that place. But only praying until the Spirit starts making intercession for me. <sighs> yeah. Can unlock and open up that door and let me step out of the real just long enough to go. I can make it. Hey, I really can do this. I really am more than a conqueror. I really can get through this. I really can live another day. I really can't go to West Coast Conference tonight and look real people with real hurts in the eye uh, and say, hey, brother, uh, it's not fantasy. Uh, You can make it. 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 Uh, Don't give up. Don't give in. Uh, You can make it. Uh, You just need a prayer meeting. Uh, You just need to pray until it's morning. And groaning. I know this isn't for everybody tonight. But I'm gonna tell you there's some people here that God's wanting to help you escape. I'm a little old country kid, don't know anything. But I come with a word tonight. You're not ever going to hear the right message. You're not ever going to get that magical miracle moment sitting across the desk from your pastor, where it just all just... and it's gone. What you're going to have to learn to do is quit having everybody else pray for you. And you're going to have to learn to pray for you. Until you pray through for yourself. Because you can't escape from me. And I can't escape for you. But I've come to this first night of West Coast Conference. To tell you uh, it's more than you can bear. But you can escape it. Uh, If you can pray until the Holy Ghost starts praying for you. I preached way too long, y'all forgive me. But I'm telling you what the Holy Ghost is challenging us to do tonight. Find ourselves a place and get beyond the formality of prayer and get past the ritual of prayer and pray until we pray. I wish it was some magical dust I could sprinkle. Or a word to the wise I could speak. But only God can do for you what you need done. And He's not going to do it for anybody else asking Him. Until you ask Him. I wonder right now I know this is different but if there are people that are here tonight and you're at your wits' end, I know you're going to have to get past your pride to do this but if you're tired of pretending and faking everybody out and you've got things on you that are bigger than you I want you to quickly come to this front come on it may not be but one or two come on I want you to come come because the Holy Ghost is going to help you tonight. I don't want you to worry about the people that might stand back gazing at you. They're, They're not dealing with what you're having to deal with. They're not facing what you're facing. They're not struggling with what you're struggling with. As you come, I want you to come lifting your voice. And I want you to come with a made-up mind and a determination. I'm going to pray until I talk in tongues. I'm going to pray until tears are dripping off my chin. I'm going to pray until there's a brokenness in my spirit. I'm going to pray until I make connection with the one thing that can help me. And that is the Spirit Of the Most High God. Come on, if you want help tonight. If you want help tonight. I've come to preach to you. There really is a way to escape. I wonder if some of you prayer warriors couldn't come in behind these. That are facing great need. I wonder if you could come and help them pray to that place of escape.